Yeah, Father, we want to thank you for Naomi, Adam, and Bethany. Father, we want to thank you for them as a family. We want to thank you that they're so much part of this church. We want to thank you for their heart to serve, Lord, to see your kingdom come here. We want to thank you, Lord, that they love you um, and that they're, they're genuine and their lives are authentic. And so I, I thank you, Father, for the time that uh, Naomi has just put in and leaning into you and just listening and, and studying your word and trying to find your heartbeat. And Lord, I, I just recognize with a family and, and work and other commitments, that's, that in itself sometimes is a challenge. But I want to thank you because I know that she does it diligently. And I uh, thank you, Lord God, for the, the gifts that you've given her. And I do pray, Father, that you will just undertake this morning. We thank you that she's well enough to be with us. And we pray, Father, that uh, as she gives of herself, that, Lord, you will pour into her too. Uh, Father, we pray that you will just sustain and enable. And, Father, we want to pray, Lord, that, Lord, that we will have hearts and ears that are wide open to receive what you have for us this morning, Lord. We don't just want to be hearers, Lord. We want to be doers of your word. We want to be men and women who are changed in your presence and by your word and by your spirit. So, Lord, we pray, come and have your way this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jess. Yeah, um, it is great to they be able to be here because with you all this morning were too dry to um, and to have this opportunity to speak And it was all again. because they wanted so, to um, reach this famous well with our series Shatoon. looking at the Beatitudes. And they've been promised that that um, well was never dry. The beginning of the sermon on the but they Mount. knew that when they got um, there, and in the Beatitudes, dry, Jesus declares they eight different blessings die. over eight different and characteristics of people. And that moment, Kenneth says, and when commenting on the Beatitudes, Matthew Henry says of Jesus, with the same he came not only to purchase blessings that I for now us, gave, but to pour out and pronounce blessings on us. And the good news is that they did get Jesus to Jesus is pronouncing blessings over the people who are listening so to they him. Were able over to people who at first glance would not normally but doesn't appear that just to bring be home the blessed how ones. True hunger, but Jesus true says to them, it is all you consuming. are blessed. When Jesus says, and when thinking about the purpose of the Beatitudes, Matthew Henry also says that the scope of which is not it's to not fill just our heads with notions, but to guide and regulate inconvenience in our day. And when we it's look at these Beatitudes together, and when we hear them, they're not meant bit. to just be nice just ideas or big theology or doctrine that no, we're trying to get our head around. Thirsting is active. They are things that actually impact the practicality of, of Jesus our daily in a person's life. life. We want to hear them and learn about how that changes us and what we do. For it. How we walk you know, with having Jesus, an appetite for something act. is having a strong desire for it. Yes. A so strong we've already desire looked to at the first three of the Beatitudes over the last few weeks in there's verses a need, three there's to something five. That you see how the poor yourself in or in your environment will receive the kingdom of God. In order to how those who on. mourn will be comforted. And Matthew how Henry points out that inherit hunger and thirst, appetites that return And today frequently. we're going to continue by they looking for fresh at the fresh beatitude. So as well as so being got active your Bible, and all if consuming, you want to turn to Matthew 5, it's we're something that we do continuously and repeatedly again and again. Blessed are those as e. Bailey who says, hunger and thirst the blessed for righteousness, are not those who arrive, for they will be filled. But those who continue. At whatever cost. And the first thing that really strikes me about this beatitude righteousness. is the change that you get so this in the phrasing is not as you read it. About being righteous um, in unlike the phrasing itself, of most of the other beatitudes, this doesn't say blessed are the righteousness. Or blessed so are those who are righteous. Question. 
It says, blessed How are those is who your hunger appetite and thirst for righteousness. For righteousness. Do you Jesus says you're not blessed because you are righteous. In yourself you're blessed in because you hunger you. and thirst for that righteousness. And, I think in order to answer these and so I want to spend a moment as we begin thinking about what it means to righteousness that we are thirst. hungering and thirsting for. What and I'll start with a question. Like? Um, how many of you have ever well, been hungry? I went to the hungry? dictionary. And their definition yeah. says, how many of you have ever said the words, right I'm or hungry, or even, I'm starving. But I want to argue that actually righteousness is yeah. so much more I have. than that. When you look and if at I'm the honest, Bible, when you look most of the time Jesus, when I'm saying those words, righteousness I've eaten looks in the so different to someone who is just and ethically I almost certainly know perfect. where my next and meal has a is coming from. attitude because of it. In fact, I'm the kind of person who gets so hungry mid-morning. Right. I get to the point where I'm like, I can't make it to lunchtime. I need to have a snack. And so, um, even though I've eaten an Kenneth hour and a half ago, or I know lunch is only a few in different minutes. facets of righteousness. Um, I am fortunate in the Bible. And I want to have a, a look that I have through them now, just to help us think more starving. about what righteousness is. And that is probably is. the same for the majority so the of us one, in this room today. Um, that he points out is about and knowing God's saving And with that in mind, I think that sometimes um, the truth of what it means to really you know, in the Old Testament, thirst when the writers talk about God's righteousness, they're often Being referring to his thirsty mighty can get trivialized into them. that something which is a bit unclean, inconvenient, like but um, it's manageable. Oh, I'm a bit as they but, you know, celebrated what God had done as he took I them away from Pharaoh and he saved them. But in Jesus' time, they talk about the those people mighty acts um, who heard his, his words, they lived in, in a place six, where water was um, scarce. God reminds the people of where Israel, travel, if they were going distance, it was arduous. How he brought them out You know, they knew, they would have appreciated what it meant to be really How he sent Moses to leave thirsty. And he tells them, um, there's a guy called Kenneth E. Bailey, who wrote a book called Jesus Through Middle the Eastern Eyes. Of the Lord. And in his book, or he talks about his says, experience the of when he nearly died of thirst. Of the Lord. So he was living so in the God's south of Egypt at the time. Is about knowing and he travelled deep acts. into the Sahara Desert And in this camel, sense, righteousness isn't anything about what we do. And he says that it was about, about 40 degrees heat in the shade. And obviously, How being his in the desert, there was no new status. They gave new status and to the Israelites. One of their water then, bags, and it leaked. gives new status to us. And so they ran yeah. out of water. So that's but the they first facet. On the second with their one journey is about being declared suffering intense thirst, getting so to the point where God's they couldn't eat. Because how do we achieve our own righteousness? And it was all because well, the they wanted to is, reach this famous well called Beer Chateau. We don't. And they've been it's promised that that well was never dry. make us righteous. But they knew that when they got you there, know, being righteous isn't dry, about following the rules or the religious die. law perfectly. And they're trying to achieve some Kenneth kind of Bailey ethical says, perfection. Trying to be in a place where we can I say, I never am the one who is justifiable in what With the I same single-minded passion that I now gave and neither do other people, neither can other people look at us and declare And the good news is that they did get to I the well and there was water when they got you there. You are righteous because of so what I have So they were do. able to drink and be safe. No. But doesn't that just bring home how our true relationship with God, true thirst, it is, it is God who declares us righteous. When Jesus says, blessed says are those who Isaiah hunger and thirst, 54, hungering and thirsting isn't you will be established. It's not just something that happens to now, us. Now this passage is or talking something that's about just the a slight inconvenience in and our how day. that will be established It's also not just a case of, but just well, like God can and will establish the city of Zion in righteousness. No, hungering and thirsting is active. 
Charles Price says that evidence of Jesus in a person's life is not that they are righteous, but that they have an appetite for it. You know, having an appetite for something is having a strong desire for it, a strong desire to satisfy that need. There's a need, there's something that you seek in yourself or in your environment that you need in order to carry on. And Matthew Henry points out that hunger and thirst are appetites that return frequently. They call for fresh satisfactions. So as well as being active and all-consuming, it's something that we do continuously and repeatedly again and again. As Kenneth E. Bailey says, blessed, the blessed are not those who arrive, but those who continue at whatever cost in their pilgrimage towards a more perfect righteousness. So this beatitude is not just about being righteous in and of itself, but it's about actively seeking that righteousness. So let me ask you a question. How strong is your appetite for righteousness? Do you long to see righteousness in yourself and in the world around you? And I think in order to answer these questions, we need to first ask, what is that righteousness that we are hungering and thirsting for? What does it look like? Well, I went to the dictionary, and their definition says, the quality of being morally right or justifiable. But I want to argue that actually righteousness is so much more than that. When you look at the Bible, when you look at Jesus... Righteousness looks so different to someone who is just ethically or morally perfect and has a holier-than-thou attitude because of it. Righteousness is about wanting to make things right, about seeking out what is true. And so um, Kenneth E. Bailey, in his book, he points out a few different facets of righteousness um, that we see in the Bible. And I want to have a, a look through them now just to help us think more about what righteousness is. So the first one um, that he points out is about knowing God's saving acts. Um, you know, in the Old Testament, when the writers talk about God's righteousness, they're often referring to his mighty acts where he saved them. Like David read um, this morning as they celebrated what God had done as he took them away from Pharaoh and he saved them. They talk about those mighty acts as knowing his righteousness. In Micah 6, um, God reminds the people of Israel what he has done for them, how he brought them out of Egypt, how he saved them from slavery, how he sent Moses to lead them. And he tells them, he tells them to remember that you may know the righteousness of the Lord. Or the Amplified Version says, the righteous and saving acts of the Lord. So knowing God's righteousness is about knowing God's saving acts. And in this sense, righteousness isn't anything about what we do. It's about what God has done for us. How his mighty acts give new status. They gave new status to the Israelites then, and it gives new status to us now. So that's the first facet. The second one is about being declared righteous. So we know God's righteousness, but how do we achieve our own righteousness? Well, the simple answer is 
We don't. We don't. It's not our efforts that make us righteous. You know, being righteous isn't about following the rules or the religious law perfectly, uh, trying to achieve some kind of ethical perfection, trying to be in a place where we can say, I am the one who is justifiable in what I do. And neither do other people, neither can other people look at us and declare us righteous. I can't look at you and say, you are righteous because of what I have seen you do. No, it's about relationship. Our relationship with God. It is God who declares us righteous. It says in Isaiah 54, in righteousness you will be established. Now, this passage is talking about the city of Zion and how that will be established in righteousness. But just like God can and will establish the city of Zion in righteousness, he establishes us in righteousness too. And all that is done through Jesus. You know, Jesus went to the cross so that we could be declared righteous. I heard someone say recently, the cross became the place where all unrighteousness was turned to righteousness. When Jesus took on all that was wrong in the world on himself so that we could be made right with God. And Paul um, in Philippians writes along those lines in uh, Philippians 3, he says this, but whatever were gains for me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Our relationship with Jesus, our faith in him, is what allows us to be declared righteous and to come into the presence of God and to be put right with him. And so we don't have to strive to be perfect. We don't have to go around justifying our actions at all times trying to meet this impossible standard that we would all fall short of. Instead, we seek a right relationship with God. We long for God to pronounce us righteous, which he mercifully and so graciously does. And we walk each day in relationship with him. And then the next facet that um, Kenneth points out is about responding with justice and compassion. So having said that it's not our actions that make us righteous, God having declared us righteous does not then give us permission to go around doing whatever we want without any regard for the consequences or for anybody else. While the act of declaring us righteous is out of our hands, our response to that is not. You know, we know God's righteousness. We've experienced his mighty and saving acts and his love. We've got a relationship with him. He's graciously declared us righteous. And so we want to respond to all of this. And so we respond by treating others how God has already treated us. 
Kenneth E. Bailey comments regarding the Israelites, how God treated them in their need is the model for how they are to treat others. How God has treated us in our need is the model for how we should treat others. And so when we respond to how we've been declared righteous, our desire isn't to fulfill all our own personal needs and wants or to always put ourselves first. Despite what the world we live in tells us, we shouldn't always be looking for personal gain, for what we can get for ourselves out of every situation. Instead, we want to have mercy and compassion on those around us. We want to seek justice and righteousness. We want to look for ways to make things right in our situations. In his final defense in um, Job 29, Job says this, I put on righteousness as my clothing. Justice was my robe and my turban. I was eyes to the blind, feet to the lame. I was a father to the needy. I took up the case of the stranger. In this passage, Job states that he put on righteousness. And then he goes on to describe how he acted with compassion and mercy towards people in need. Righteousness and justice overlap. We are called to care for the weak, for those in need, to stand in the gap for them. And we see the importance of compassion and justice in Isaiah's description of Jesus, the servant of the Lord, in Isaiah 42. It says, here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smoldering wick he will not put out. In faithfulness, he will bring forth justice. And the NLT version goes on, expands that to say justice to all who have been wronged. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his teaching, the islands will put their hope. Having compassion, working for justice, seeing where things are wrong and wanting to put them right. That is righteousness in action. And so as well as seeking right relationship with God, we want to seek right relationship with the people and the world around us. In doing so, we show them that mercy and compassion. We work for justice. We long to see wrong put to right and lies replaced by truth. And then the final facet um, is bringing peace. The final aspect of righteousness that Kenneth E. Bailey highlights is its connection to peace. Um, in Isaiah 32, it says, the Lord's justice will dwell in the desert. His righteousness live in fertile field. The fruit of that righteousness will be peace. Its effect will be quietness and confidence forever. My people will live in peaceful dwelling places in secure homes, in undisturbed places of rest. The effect of righteousness will be peace. 
So having reflected on what righteousness really is, let me ask you those two questions again. How strong is your appetite for righteousness? Do you long to see righteousness in yourself and in the world around you? And if I'm honest, it can be easy to get swept along with the world view, to want to put myself first, to want to protect myself. I want to see justice done, but often only when it's convenient or when it doesn't have any cost to me. And I think sometimes I don't even notice where that justness needs to happen because I can get too comfortable where I am. Often my appetite can actually be quite small. And so that, preparing this has been a challenge to me actually to think about building my appetite. And I heard something a little while ago that stuck with me, um, talking about justice as being the devotion to the well-being of others, regardless of their response or the cost. And that really challenges me. I want to be someone who doesn't count the cost. Uh, instead, I want to be driven by that all-consuming passion for righteousness that stems from my love for God and the gratitude for all that he has already done for me. So what does being this person look like in our daily day-to-day -day lives? Well, first of all, it looks like walking in relationship with God. It looks like seeking to be in a right relationship with him. Knowing him as our savior, remembering all the things that he has done for us like we did as we started worship this morning. Looking to him for our righteousness, not to others and not trying to achieve it by ourselves. And it's easy often to think of a righteous person as a self-righteous one. Someone who thinks that they're superior to everyone else. But actually, when we know our righteousness comes from God, the challenge there is to show humility and grace. And so in what areas of your life do you long to be more righteous? Are there areas where you're tempted to put yourself first in situations, even though you know that's not the right thing to do in that place? And do you need to give some, something to God there? Or is there a characteristic that you want to grow in, in humility or grace or compassion or mercy? And then the other aspect of what it looks like in our day-to-day -day lives is that acting with justice and compassion, seeking what is right and what is true, looking for ways that we can put right what is wrong around us, showing compassion and love and mercy to those in need, to the lost, to the forgotten. And sometimes when we think about justice, it can be really hard to know where to start, especially when a problem seems really big it can be easy to think, well, what difference do I make? And I think an example of that um, that I would think of is homelessness. I believe that everybody should have a home, a roof above their heads, a safe place that they can go and know that they are safe and protected and warm. And yet, 
When I see a homeless person in the street, I have to say, I never quite know what to do. I never quite know how to act. And so one of the ways that I try to be able to help in that area of homelessness is that Adam and I give to shelter because we know that they work with people to help to get them off the streets once and for all. But maybe the challenge for me too is actually to go and educate myself a bit more, to learn actually how can I help people um, in other ways as well. And then another example of where we try um, to fix a little bit of the wrong that we see is in caring for our environment and the world. Um, Adam and I are really big on trying to think about our plastic usage, um, thinking about the waste that we create, trying to make simple swaps in our house and our daily lives just to try and yeah, minimize our impact. So there's just a couple of examples that, um, that we do that might just help you in thinking about, well, actually, what, what am I passionate about? And then what can I actually do? And so in what areas of society do you long to see more righteousness? And then how can you start to bring this about? What can you do to help the well-being of those around you? How can you act for the good of the weak and the helpless? As it says in Micah 6, 8, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So we are blessed when we hunger and thirst for righteousness. And then what does Jesus say that the blessed will receive? They will be satisfied. Because it is God who satisfies us. Not other people, not the community around us, not ourselves. And so we need to be careful not to be tempted to start chasing after things that we know aren't the things that can satisfy us. Instead, we look to God and he fills us from his own table. As Dietrich Bonhoeffer writes in The Cost of Discipleship, happy are they who have the promise that they shall be filled for the righteousness they receive will be no empty promise but real satisfaction. Just as we can't establish our own righteousness, God does this for us. He also will satisfy our hunger and our thirst for that righteousness. And Jesus himself talks about how he will satisfy those who are hungry and thirsty. In John 6, uh, 35, it says, Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus will feed us. He is the bread of life. When Mary first hears that she is going to carry God's son and bring him into the world, she bursts out in song. And that's in Luke 1. And in verse 53, she says, He has filled the hungry with good things. You know, he fills us. And what does he fill us with? He fills us with good things. And then in John 4, um, we read about Jesus' encounter with a Samaritan woman at a well. And they get into a conversation. And Jesus, it says, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would not have, you would, yeah, sorry, we'll do that again. 
Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. But sir, the woman says, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? And then Jesus says in verse 13, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And similarly, in John 7, um, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Jesus fills us with good things. We are sustained and satisfied by him. And his spirit living in us will help us to walk with God and to put on righteousness, as Job phrased it, and seek the justice around us. And so the other way that God satisfies is because he will bring forth that justice that we seek. When we act justly, we get to see a glimpse of that now because we partner with him in bringing it. But where there doesn't seem to be any justice, where wrongs just don't seem to be being put to right, God will bring that about in the future. And so God will satisfy our hunger and need for righteousness by putting things right once and for all. Matthew Henry says, let them hope in God, who will see justice done, right take place, and deliver the poor from their oppressors. So let us hope in God, who blesses us when we hunger and thirst for righteousness, and who satisfies us in this hunger and thirst too. And that might seem a bit paradoxical. If we're hungry and thirsty, how can we also be satisfied at the same time? But actually, as we continue to hunger and thirst, God will continue to meet us in that need and satisfy us. And so it just, it kind of keeps going. He continues to meet us. So we know the saving acts that God has done for us. We seek right relationship with him as he declares us righteous. We seek right relationship with others as we act with justice, mercy, and compassion. And out of all of this, peace is created and grown. And it isn't a one-off singular act. There isn't a moment where we can say, I've been declared righteous and I am done, <laughs> or I have put all the wrongs to right. We continuously seek these things. And so God will continue to satisfy us.